excited to get back into this. It hasn't been that often we've been able to get these out, but unfortunately, hopefully we'll start to do this a little more often as the new year turns. Uh, let's make that a new year's resolution. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't end in a month, but see how it goes. Um, we're going to start with some NFL talk. Uh, we also got NBA Christmas, typically known as a measuring stick for teams to see where they're at. Not exactly a halfway point, but it's a good place for us to look and see which teams are disappointing, which teams have been surprising, which players have really stepped up. So we'll get into that. Um, we got a good interview with, I guess, Strowski, fellow Cavs fan. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking some NFL coaching openings, which teams will look to move on from their head coaches. And might there be a bigger name returning to the coaching scene? We'll get to that later. We're going to start with the NFL Week 17. A lot on the line. Thunder, this is what we know. Philadelphia is going to be first in the NFC. Jacksonville is going to be third in the AFC. And Kansas City is going to be fourth in the AFC. That's all we know, you know. The nine other spots, they're up for grabs. Uh, we know teams have clinched playoff spots, but we also know uh, we got four teams competing for two spots. In the AFC, we've got two teams competing for one spot in the NFC. So let's just get right to it. Um, NFC, we've got the Falcons or the Seahawks that will be sliding into that six seed. Which do you think will it be? I'm thinking that the NFC playoff will be a complete NFC South takeover. I have the Seahawks losing to the Cardinals in typical Seahawks fashion. Um, just absolutely big game, big moment, and Russell Wilson tries his best, but he cannot pull the dead horse along with him. That, that Seahawks team has been atrocious aside for Wilson this whole year. That defense is nothing like it used to be. I think the Legion of Boom, as they used to call themselves, is dead. So I have the Falcons going into the playoffs over the Seahawks, and the Saints will win that division, and then the Panthers will be the five seed, and the Falcons will be the six seed. Yeah, do you think the Falcons are going to win that game against the Panthers at home? No, I just think that the Falcons have that tiebreaker over the Seahawks, from that game a few weeks back and that's that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna sneak in because i don't know about you but i have absolutely no confidence in the falcons from what i've seen all season they haven't been great at all at least consistently they've had moments but they haven't really put together a full 60 minutes yet and i you know i worry about them heading into the playoffs i think that they also will sneak in as a six seed. I agree with you. Seattle, they're going to miss out for the first time in a while. I think the Cardinals will be ready to play, and I think Seattle is going to be disappointed. I think I agree with you. Um, defense has not been what they used to be. Their rush defense has been awful all season. You've got Cam Chancellor out. Other special pieces on defenses are missing, and I think Seattle is going to miss out first time in a while. Let's go to the AFC. We've got four teams competing for two spots. Baltimore, Tennessee, Los Angeles, and Buffalo. Who do you see making those two spots there? I have the uh, Ravens clinching a spot in the playoffs this week. They're playing a terrible Bengals team who we'll get to in a few minutes. And I have I also have Tennessee. Of course, this is a little bit of a biased pick here, but I have Tennessee uh, taking the uh, I have Tennessee taking the last wild card spot. I personally think that Derrick Henry, with Demarco Murray's absence, 
will run all over the Jaguars like he did in their first matchup earlier this year in which the Titans won in Jacksonville. I Yeah, I, I think that the uh, Ravens and the Titans will take those two spots. You don't see the Chargers, Bills sneaking in there. They obviously need a lot of help. They, they, they don't control their own destiny. The Ravens and Titans have a lot more on the line because they have more expectations. And it, they're, they're both, those two teams are both winning in. The, the Bills and the Chargers are not winning in. They'll, they don't control their own destiny. Yeah, just the one hurdle I see for Tennessee is Jacksonville. We're not sure yet if they are going to play their starters, but they do. It probably won't be for long. I mean, you're looking at this, you've got Tennessee, Jacksonville, Week 17. You could have Tennessee and Jacksonville next weekend, Saturday probably, in the AFC wildcard game. Not sure if they're going to rest starters, but even if they even if they do, you know, I could see I could see them having a rough game. They've had a lot of duds this year, in my opinion. Um, I, I like a team like Buffalo to beat the Dolphins. I like the Chargers to beat the Raiders. So if any one of those two teams slips up, I do like the the Bills or the Chargers to sneak in ahead of the Titans. The Ravens have got to win this. You know, they've had kind of a, an interesting year up and down, but they're at home against a bad Bengals team that is going to probably fire their coach. We'll get to that later, but I think the Ravens they can also not afford to falter. I think John Harbaugh might be a little on the hot seat. Not sure how much, but I think the Ravens. They gotta make it, and they gotta at least have another opportunity to to get back here um, to a divisional round game. Uh, let's look more at the seeding a bit. AFC is either gonna be the Patriots or the Steelers. Number one, uh, who do you think slots into the one seed there? It's obviously huge coming down to home field advantage in the AFC Championship game. The big matchup there is, of course, it's the Steelers have to win and the Patriots have to lose. Am I right? Is that correct? The Steelers have a huge help in that um, regard. Of course, they're playing the Browns, who, of course, are the Browns. And um, it, they will be going for their undefeated season at 0-16. But then again, it's also Tom Brady's Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to be the first seed. It's uh, And then the Steelers, that they're, I definitely see those two teams matching up in the uh, AFC Championship game again. That's just become That's almost become an annual thing now. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. The Patriots aren't going to lose to the Jets at Gillette. They don't lose those type of games, and they're going to be playing their starters. Let's look at the next week's matchups. Which potential matchup are you most excited for? Potential matchup I'm excited for would have to go down. Is I think that a, of course, this is just me being a homer again, the Titans Jaguars game will be a lot on the line. That is in a that is a big rivalry. It's a big new rivalry. It's something that um has been dead for quite a while because of both teams just sucking. However, I will say little fun fact. The only time that an NFL team has lost 3 times to the same team is the Jaguars losing to the Titans three times in one season in 1999, and I hope that keeps going. Yeah, I, I think that would be a good matchup again. Um, Titans, Titans, Jags. That is, it, it's a, yeah, it's a big, it's a big, big rivalry. It's a, it's like a new school rivalry. You hear about those old school rivalries, but this is like a new one. This is a new rivalry. They don't like each other at all, of course. And yeah, that's just, I hope that's how it goes. 
I hope it. I hope we get that matchup. Yeah, I'd say in the NFC, I would really love to see a potential Panthers Falcons matchup. The Falcons, like like I said before, they've been really inconsistent all year. There's pretty much no reason to think that they can put together a full game. But who do the Panthers have to throw to? You know, Benjamin's out in Buffalo. Um, Devin Funches is the top receiver. Great Olsen's been injured. You don't have a lot of guys there, and I'm worried that they won't be able to keep up with the potential of a scoring team like Atlanta. So I could see a potential upset there, even though Atlanta has, again, has not played their best this season. Let's get into some NBA talk, shall we? Once again, it is Christmas. Teams are about 30, 35 games into the season. And let's just take a measuring stick and see where these guys are at player coach team who has really surprised you so far this season i think the player specifically surprised me the most has to be victor oladipo who has turned into a near definite all-star and i think we're going to see another bradley beal snubbing off the all-star team because of him that's where i'm at i think victor oladipo's resurgence on the pacers absolutely is the top surprise for me and that goes hand in hand with the biggest team surprise as well the Indiana Pacers have been absolutely fantastic this year and this is of course after they losing their star in Paul George and this was after they were predicted to tank this year because they just didn't have any talent yada yada um but they they're they're they drew even on this trade surprisingly the Paul George trade in which the Thunder gave them Victor Oladipo and Domitas uh, Sabonis and both of them have looked absolutely fantastic this year. Paul George, of course, is still an All Star in Oklahoma City, so I think they drew even on that trade. But yeah, they the Pacers are a definite surprise. It even look at look at a guy like Darren Collison. He's spreading the ball around, you know. He's got 5.8 assists this year, getting the ball to Oladipo. I like what they're I like what they're doing, you know. I agree. Um, this is really surprising. I think we all thought, you know, it'd be them, the Bulls, the Knicks, maybe the Magic. They'd all be sort of in the cellar. Not really the case so far this year. My biggest surprise has been Clint Capella for the Houston Rockets. He's just amazing with Paul and with Harden in those pick and rolls. Not only does he grab 11.2 rebounds a game, but he's great as that pivot. We saw actually last night, they played the Wizards, did not have Clapel on the floor, and said Ryan Anderson was the five. He was off. The The Rockets couldn't get anything going. They didn't have any toughness last night. I think Capella, for me, has been the biggest surprise in terms of where he was last year compared to this year. He had a good 2015, but slumped off a bit in 2016 coming back as really a top center in the NBA. And he's young too, what, 23 years old. He's a, definitely a piece to build around. Uh, how about someone you're a bit disappointed in to, to start the year? I think that the start of this year, the most disappointing thing, I'm going to stay on the topic of Oklahoma City. Carmelo Anthony d- has disappointed me in the fact that he is letting his ego get in front of team success. There is no way he should be starting right now. He is old, and that age is starting to show. So he's just been an absolute disappointment, and it's it's not pretty to watch. He's just he's 
ball hogging like he's still the only player on the Knicks, even though he still he has the reigning NBA MVP and also Paul George on his side, and he's still shooting like you know there's no one to pass to. Yeah, you know, right after the trade broke, I also thought this this just was not going to work. Uh, being the guy in New York, at, you know, at least he he scored the ball a bit. You know, twenty five points per game most years, just not the case this year. He's he's really been struggling. He's like you said, being a ball hog. You can't have that in a team with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. You're just not going to be happy. It's not gelling right now. Now there are four games over five hundred, second in the Northwest Division, but I do think this was expected to not work well, and it hasn't worked well. And unless they, like you said, move into the bench, move some pieces around, make it so that he's happy and that the rest of the team is happy, then this will not end well um, for OKC. Yeah, the only way that that team's going to work out is if they add a rule to basketball where you can have three balls on the court at the same time. But, I mean, that I don't see that happening anytime soon. And that I, therefore, I don't see that this three ball hog team going anywhere how about the memphis grizzlies fired david fisdale not that long into the season this is a team with marcus saul mike conley tyreek evans yeah i mean they've had some good pieces this year um at least heading in but they're just not they're just not working right now they're 11 and 24 this is a typically a 6, 7, 8 seed that, you know, is known to play the Spurs in the first round every year. That's not going to happen. They're currently tied for the worst record in the Western Conference in terms of the win column with 11 wins. I think this is has the potential to be a, a blow-up situation with Memphis. You could definitely see a Marcus Saul trade it, and there were even some rumors of that in the offseason of him potentially going to, to Boston. But I think him at the trade deadline moving is definite possibility. And they might also try to get out that large contract with Mike Conley because this is a team that is doesn't even really have a coach. They got an interim one, but they gotta get a coach that, you know, guesses the players in there that he wants, and they've gotta build it up. They don't have a lot of young talent, and I think that's something they need. Absolutely, and yeah, it's just that that's a very disappointing situation, especially after their uh, hot, hot start to the season, along with Orlando's hot, hot start to the season. Both of those teams are now completely off the radar, and both of those teams have been very big disappointments just because of how they've fallen off. I wouldn't say they're big disappoint. I wouldn't say the Magic are big disappointments. If you took away the fact that they had such a hot start at the um, start of the season, because like they're the Magic, they they weren't expected to even have any semblance of a winning streak like that at any point this year. So if it weren't if it weren't for that, then this Magic team wouldn't be such a disappointment. But yeah, they're a huge disappointment as of right now. Yeah, just to cap this off a bit, back to the surprises, Demarcus Cousins has MVP numbers this year. And I don't think any of us expected that as he is on a team with uh, Anthony Davis, we would think that him on the Kings would at least lead him to pad his stats a bit more because he's got, you know, Davis to work with, Drew Holiday there as a point guard. But Cousins, like, 26 points, good number of of rebounds, 12.3, one of the top numbers in the league. And he's also dishing the ball around nicely, about five assists per game. He's that true point center 
that we've all expected him to be and now sharing the ball a bit in New Orleans. If the Pelicans sneak into the playoffs as they are currently positioned to right now into a a sixth, fifth seed, this guy's going to be up there for MVP. I really think so, especially considering Curry's injury and Kawhi Leonard being out for San Antonio. Yes, I know LeBron having one of the best seasons he's ever had, but I think what Cousins is doing in New Orleans, we haven't really heard any issues of in terms of team chemistry for him this year. I'd love to see that from uh, Cousins and uh, Pelicans, certainly on the rise now. And uh, speaking of uh, the Pelicans, how about Rajon Rondo dropping 25 dimes in one game? First person to do that in 21 years. Absolutely amazing game, and he's in right situation where he's dropping dimes to two all-stars much it's it's not it's not the same as his Celtics situation in which they went to the finals of course but it's much like that in the fact that you give Rondo weapons like Cousins and Davis and he will succeed in getting those crazy assist numbers and it's been quite a resurgence for him and um, this is the Rondo that the NBA has missed dearly and yeah that's uh that's the Pelicans for you they are uh Playoff team this year? Playoff team this year? I would say so. You know, certainly. I want to get your take on the Washington Wizards, our local team here. Uh, their last three games, Christmas Day win against Boston by, what, 15 points, something like that. 19-point loss to Atlanta, I think, uh, on Monday. And then last Friday, um, they completely dominated Houston. What's your take on them? What's your take on their inconsistency and are they truly a team that can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals like some people were, were expecting them to be? Well, the thing I have with the Wizards, and it's two things really, and I think it's they go hand in hand. And it's the fact that they don't have a true locker room presence like they did with Paul Pierce for that one season in which he made all the young Wizards cut out what they were doing. Uh, I don't know if you um, heard about that he did a recent, he recently did an interview, uh, Paul Pierce, and he called out John Wall and Bradley Beal in the locker room that one year because they, in a game that they weren't winning, I think they were losing by 20, he says they were losing by like 20 or something. They went back, they were in the locker room at halftime and were on their phones. They were on social media, like liking stuff. And he was free. He freaked out on them. And he also said that he's been. He didn't spe- He didn't specifically say it was the uh, Wizards, but he said that he also said that right after he mentioned with the whole phones thing in the locker room, that. They see that some players he's played with seem to be more worried about their brands rather than their actual success, and that pisses him off quite a bit. And I think that the Wizards need a Paul Pierce or an Andre Miller type where they have a veteran that'll come in and put them back in their place and help them really get into that winning mentality. And that also being said, they aren't playing with the right attitude. John Wall said that the Wizards are out there playing for stats against teams like the uh, Hawks. They're out there playing just for stats, just to look good. 
instead of actually going out there. They're playing like the whole too cool for school kind of ball game, even though they haven't really had much success. They're going out there and they're putting all their effort into teams over 500, like Boston, like Houston. And that's really what they should be doing every game because much like the Capitals, they they have to realize that they can get they can get beat by any given team any given night with if they don't play hard every night and every time they play a team like the Hawks below 500 like the Nets they lost to the Nets recently they just they don't put all their effort in and that's a real shame and that's not what the Wizards need especially if they want to be a playoff contending team is this a call against potentially bringing in a DeMarcus Cousins in February? Do you think that'll make the situation even worse to a point where it's a negative instead of a positive? This is that's not a call because of course you you bring in a fourth all-star because Otto Porter should definitely be an all-star this year. And you will be an immediate favorite to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. However, I think there's a definite issue there where you now have Otto Porter on a max contract not getting the ball, even though he's definitely, I think, the second-best scorer on the Wizards. And the other issue would also be you don't have... The Wizards don't have the assets in order to do that. They would have to trade... They would probably end up having to trade Kelly Oubre or Yamahimi or Gortat and picks. You'd have to trade picks, Ubre and Gortat or Mahimi, and the Wizards just can't afford to do that. I I wouldn't feel comfortable giving up that much to get a loner on DeMarcus Cousins, who we'd have to go so far into the luxury cap in order to keep that it'd just be ridiculous. Yeah, that will be interesting to see if the Wizards can come out and start to beat these bad teams if you didn't know Atlanta with nine wins is the only team in the NBA without double digit wins they're the worst in basketball and the Wizards have done this countless of times not only to Atlanta but also twice to Brooklyn and LA and Phoenix uh, you know countless occasions where they've just not fared well against these bad teams so we're gonna go ahead and play that interview with Noah Strowski right now and on the show now, we are joined by fellow Cavs fan, Shrowski. Shrowski, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Great. Uh, let's start with Wednesday. Cavs beat the Bruins in the shootout 4-3. to How do they do it? This is now 12 straight wins in a row. Is it them getting to the Bruins' heads? Is it all luck? Is it a style of play? What do you think it is? Uh, well, I think ever since the 2012 playoff series where Braden Holtby came in after uh, injuries to Neuvert and Vokun, uh, they've they've sort of lived rent free in the Bruins' heads ever since that run. It was kind of a demoralizing uh, defeat for the Bruins, and I think just ever since then the Capitals have had the edge over them. Uh, I think it's something that's sort of in the back of the Bruins' heads every time they play the Capitals, especially when you lose you know twelve straight to a team, even five straight to a certain team. It starts to sit in the back of your head uh, that you know you know this team's going to play you tough. You know they're going to be tough to beat, and I think the Bruins, I think that's what they go through every time they face the Capitals and. You know, down to nothing. It was looking like the street might come to an end for the uh, for the Caps, but they found a way to claw back into the game and get the win in the shootout. Alex Ovechkin with the only shootout goal, so it's a big win, especially against another Eastern Conference team. So, you know, it was a good two points for the Capitals. They really needed that. 
Speaking of Ovechkin, uh, he's on the first line with Backstrom, but there's been some confusion as to who's on the right wing. In your opinion, would you rather have Oshie, Wilson, or DSP on the first line? See, I, I really like uh, I like DSP, but I don't think he's a first line guy. I think he's more of a third and fourth line kind of guy. I mean, he's got that kind of he's got a lot of intensity to his game and a lot of grit to his game, and I think that's where he belongs. Tom Wilson did a really really solid job for that for that span of games on the top line, and I think that that's where he belongs. That's where he needs to be for the remainder of the season. Uh, TJ Oshie is a solid option up there as well, but you know I, I like that second line. So I'd, I'd keep Oshie on the second line and I'd keep Wilson on the top line because Wilson just kind of works with Ovechkin and I, I really, really like it. I want to talk to Philip Grubauer. This guy, in my opinion, has been one of the best backups in the league. Sure, he had some struggles early on this season, but I think that was more attributed to the defense. Magnus you know, was out for a while. Do you think this is a, a potential trade piece for this team? They've got a lot of good young goalies, uh, Vanacek, Samsonov, even Phoenix Copley and Hershey. Do you think this is a guy they need to trade closer to the trade deadline, get another back-end piece? Uh, what do you think? Well, I know in the offseason they were looking to trade Grubauer, uh, and the reason being is because he's such he's the best backup goaltender in the league, and I don't like calling him a backup because he could start for a number of teams in the NHL. Just the problem was the goalie market was dry. Teams were able to fill their roster with uh, with a goaltender from another team for a lot cheaper and a more experienced goaltender, like Calgary getting Mike Smith is a prime example of that. Dallas getting Ben Bishop. Uh, Grubauer is a fantastic young goaltender, and he's going to be a starter for another team. It's just the goalie market at this moment is kind of dry. Teams aren't willing to give up a lot to get a starting goaltender right now. And it's, I think one of the prime reasons is because they know that next season Samsonov is coming here to North America and the Capitals' goaltending depth is going to be too crowded and therefore they're going to have to take whatever they can for Grubauer. So teams are kind of waiting for that moment to sort of fleece the Capitals. Grubauer should definitely pull in a first-round pick. Some people think they could get a top-four defenseman back. I don't think that's the right move. I think you you get a first round draft pick and maybe a third for Grubauer, maybe you know a first round pick and and a bottom six kind of guy or a prospect, and you roll with that. I think that's a good, reasonable return for Philip Grubauer. He's a great kid. He's a great guy. You know, he's he's a great player, and I want to see you know the best for him. Uh, but there's no way that he's going to take the starting job from Braden Holtby anytime soon. Do you think it's better for the Capitals mentally, um, pressure-wise, expectations-wise, that they aren't the best team? I 100% believe that they, I'm not saying they should purposely not be the best that they can be, but I'm also saying losing is is the best teacher and adversity for them is something that they've lacked the past two years in the playoffs. The responding to losing situations is something that they didn't necessarily have to do last season. And I think when that came down to the Pittsburgh series and really having to grind it out, uh, it, it affected them a lot. So I think going through some adversity and not being the best team and knowing that you have to play your best game every night, otherwise you're going to get beat by any other team in the league, is good for them going into the playoffs, especially if they have to play you know, New York or Pittsburgh, who are two of the teams who have you know, consistently knocked them out the past couple of years. I think winning the President's Trophy uh, has put a lot of a burden on their shoulders when it comes playoff time. And to not have that burden of the President's Trophy and, oh, the expectations like, oh, you've got to win the Cup now. You're the best team in the league. I think it's healthy for them. 
I don't think they should be the eighth seed or the seventh, but definitely going in second or third in the Metro won't hurt them whatsoever. Uh, even winning the Metropolitan Division is still fine because the Lightning are going to win the President's Trophy. Uh, I can I can guarantee that at this moment, uh, nobody's going to catch them. So the Caps don't have to worry about winning the President's Trophy this year. I think they're going to have a better shot in the playoffs this year uh, than they did last year. No expectations. Just get in there and do whatever you can. Shasky, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Noah. And we're going to cap off the show with some coaches talk in the NFL as uh, we are now actually two days away from Black Monday where lots of coaches get that pink slip and are dismissed. We're going to start in New York with Todd Bowles of the Jets. You think he gets moved on from? The thing with Todd Bowles is I think he's a good coach. I really do. And I think it's more a result of the situation that the Jets aren't good than it is a direct result of him. In my opinion, I think they should give him another shot. But at the same time, I don't think that they're going to go very far with this roster. I don't know. He might he might want to move on from the team, not the other way around. The team might not want to move on from him. So I think if it were up to the Jets, he's going to stay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, they don't have their quarterback of the future right now. That, that's still to be determined. I'm not sure if Bulls is interested in staying, you know, four or five years long term to try to develop a, you know, NFL draft quarterback. So I, I agree. I think Bulls is out, you know, whether it be the Jets or Bulls wanting out. I think it's going to happen. The Jets are going to be looking around for a new coach in the offseason. Let's go to Washington. Jay Gruden signed a contract extension last summer. Do you think he returns as the coach? They're not going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be 7-9 or 8-8. Eight and eight. What do you think about Jay? I also think he stays around, especially with that new contract extension that he's got. And they've had some success before. This year, the Redskins were absolutely decimated by injuries. It seems like they were just absolutely... They, it seemed like every game someone went down. Chris Thompson with the torn ACL on injured reserve. Terrell Pryor absolutely sucked this year. Kirk Cousins has played behind 12 different offensive linemen. Just to put that into perspective, they lost Sua Cravens because he kind of went off the deep end for a little bit. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the situation. I think they give also give him another shot, but I think if everybody's healthy next year and they come back and they suck again... Oh, I didn't even mention Jordan Reed, the uh, Pro Bowl tight end being injured the whole year, as usual. Yeah, I, I think an interesting thing to consider is that we've heard rumors that Cincinnati might be targeting their former offensive coordinator, Jay, as their next head coach if Marvin Lewis leaves. So let's just go to Cincinnati for a second. Are the Bengals finally done with Marvin Lewis? Absolutely, and I think it's about five years overdue that he's getting fired. This guy is the definition of playoff disappointment. He has been nothing good for the uh, the Bengals. They've, they've gone absolutely nowhere with him. He, they've always, somehow or another, just completely choked in the playoffs. See Vontez Perfect just trying to kill Antonio Brown, and that's all you need to know about the Bengals. That was absolutely unnecessary. 
but I don't need to go back over that, of course. Um, that was that's old. That's old old news. But that's just the kind of stuff that w- that has happened under Marvin Lewis, and I think it's finally time that they just move on from him. Yeah, I agree. I'm done with Marvin Lewis as a 500 coach. I'm not even sure he's going to be getting another job. Not sure a team like the Jets or the Bears will get to next. I'm not sure they're going to want an old, older coach like, like Lewis. You know, it was, I don't know if you'd call it a good run, but... A long run. A very, very long run. A long, very long, very average run for Lewis, and that's what he'll be remembered by. Uh, let's do a couple more here. John Fox in Chicago. What do you think about Fox? He's gone. He's gone. He's absolutely gone. They, you can, they, it's not that the Bears underperformed. It's that I think it's just time for a coaching change there. He was brought in to help guide them to the playoffs, of course. This was after he had led the Broncos to playoff success, of course. But... The main issue there is that I think it's just time for a change. Trubisky probably needs a new coach in order to succeed. Yeah, I'm thinking a Josh McDaniels, more offensive-minded coach needs to be there because it's just Trubisky, him and Fox are just not gelling this year for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know why, but they, they need more offensive-minded, younger coaches to sort of relate with Trubisky and because he's the face of their franchise and it's got to work out especially considering what they gave up to get him. And we're going to cap things off with Dirk Cutter of the Tampa Bay Bucks. We've heard some rumors, Thunder. Do you think Cutter is going to get the axe in favor of a John Gruden return? Uh, we've heard as recently as yesterday that Cutter is very likely to return. Do you think the Bucks should move on from him? Do you think Do you think they will move on from him? What do you think? I don't think they're going to move on from him because they don't have a guaranteed Gruden return. And honestly, I don't see Gruden returning. That's just not likely in my opinion. Um, I think he's having a blast um, as a commentator. I just, I don't see a return from him. He's already a Super Bowl winning coach. He doesn't need to... He doesn't feel the need to return to the NFL. He has no reason to return to the NFL. So I think he's just going to stay in retirement. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Gruden's got a, a nice paycheck coming in there at ESPN. And I don't think it was a bad season, but you did have some injuries and some, some suspensions uh, with uh, Winston and Doug Martin there. So I think they'll get Cutter another try, especially after the year they had last year. Things were looking up. Disappointment this year, but I think give him one one more year and and then see what happens. Thanks for listening to the Donald Thunder Show. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Donald Thunder and look at our website, DonaldThunderShow.com. We do have a lot of bowl content up there. We bring you daily bowl previews if you want to get a leg up on your picks. And we'll see you next week.